And aren't you grateful for the grip of God's grace? It holds us fast. If we were holding ourselves, well, friends, we'd be goners, that's for sure. But he holds us fast. He says, those that are mine, I hold them in the grip of my love. And we thank God for that today. Welcome. It's wonderful to see all of you on this beautiful day God's given to us. And welcome to all who are joining us also by way of live stream. And let's turn now to the passage Jeff read for us earlier as we're talking about being held fast and the grip of his love. We can never be gripped by it enough, right? Old gospel song says, more about Jesus would I know. And we need to know more and more about Jesus. And we need more and more of Jesus, don't we? And thank God there is no end to the supply of our Lord Jesus Christ and his love. Now, this passage that uh, Jeff has read for us talks about the Lord planting his love. Planting the word of his love in the hearts of people. And you know, when the Lord plants, the Lord never fails to get a harvest. The Lord is not a farmer who plants in vain. But when he plants the seed of his love, the gospel, it always produces fruit. And I have seen it over the years, I hope you have as well, that that fruit of the gospel is produced in the most humble of hearts. And thank God, it produces fruit in the most hate-filled hearts. And you know what? Sometimes God uses the most humble of hearts who have received his love to share it with the most hate-filled hearts. I'd like to begin by sharing someone's testimony with you. And it is a powerful testimony. Testimony of a man who was hate-filled, but the Lord conquered his hate, and he became love-filled. It's the testimony of a man by the name of John Perkins. I've been privileged to hear him in person on a couple of occasions, read his, uh, his writing. John Perkins is now nearly 90 years old. He was, and he is, a black man who was raised in the depths of unbelievable poverty and absolute continual racism inflicted on him, his family, in the time of the Depression in rural Mississippi. He went on to be a pastor. <laughs> A preacher, an educator, has led in civil rights movement over the years, out of his gospel heart. <laughs> he has 16 honorary doctorates <laughs> from colleges and universities. And in his book, this, 
his book, his last book he said it would be. I hope not, but it might be. He's, again, as I said, about 90. His book is entitled, One Blood, One Blood, Parting Words to the Church on Race. And he shares how the hatred in his heart was overcome by the love of Christ. I want you to hear this testimony. He says, quote, I came to faith when I was 27 years old. I was a young husband and father living in Monrovia, California. We had moved to Southern California to escape the racism and the segregation that was smothering us in Mississippi. At that time, most of the people in my family were not attending church regularly. And then my son, Spencer, however, had started attending a neighborhood good news club where kids learned about the Bible while playing games and having some fun. It was connected to a local church. One day, Spencer came home and began to share with me what he had been learning about Jesus. He learned that Jesus was God's son who had come to earth to die in our place so we could be forgiven of our sins. Before that, I had never heard the good news of God's love in such a clear way. So when my son asked me to go to Sunday school with him at the local church, I agreed. And in that Sunday school, I finally met Jesus. I discovered the joy it is in the fulfillment of longing. I was longing for love. I was seeing it in Spencer, but I had never really had it myself. And I heard a verse that sealed the deal. Galatians 2.20. Paul, who had once been a murderer, had been touched by the love of God. He had once hated Christians, but now he was one of them. He explained that the love of God was a reason he was behaving the way he was. He said, quote, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When I heard that verse, I said to myself that if there's a God in heaven who loved me enough to send his only son into the world to die for me, I want to know that God. I want to know Him, and I came to know Him. I believe the purpose of man is to know that God, the God of the universe, who made everything and holds everything together, that big God, that all-encompassing God, the God who makes Himself known to humanity. I came to know that God. And I believe the purpose of us knowing that God is to love him back and make him known to others. Almost immediately, God began to do something radical in my heart. He began to challenge my prejudices and my hatred toward others. I had learned to hate white people in Mississippi. I hated their control over our lives. I hated them for what they had done to my brother Clyde. Clyde had been murdered. 
I hated him for refusing to see, a, see me as a person deserving of respect just because I was a human being. I had so much hate. And if I had not met Jesus, I would have been carrying that heavy burden of hate to my grave. But he began to strip it away. Layer by layer, he reminded me again and again that I could not hoard his love. And I could not be selective about who I would share that love with. The love he had shed abroad in my heart was meant to be shared with others regardless of their color. What a victory of God's grace. See, God's word bears fruit. And it bears fruit in the most humble hearts, hearts of little children. And little children can plant it in the hearts of hateful people. You know, this week I sent out a link to a video talking about the restart of our groups. We hoped to do that, but like it's best to delay for right now, we look forward and long to do that, but I ask you to pray for the elders, and you did. One thing, though, I want you to understand is as we do start those groups again in the Lord willing in the near future, you know, we have dozens of boys and girls, preschoolers in the nursery. And their hearts are fertile soil for the love of Jesus Christ. We need folks who will love those precious boys and girls. Tell them about Jesus just like someone told Spencer about Jesus in 1958. You never know what the seed of God's love will produce hundreds of times over, thousands of times over. See, we need to plant God's love because in planting the word of his love, we are guaranteed to produce a harvest. And that's the king's mission that I want to talk to you about for a few minutes. If you're there in Luke chapter 8, Jeffrey has read it for us. I want us to see the king's mission. Jesus Christ is the king. And when he was on this earth, he was establishing his kingdom. And here in chapter 8, we see this mission. The Lord Jesus is the ultimate missionary. The ultimate missionary is Jesus because he came on a mission. And here in this passage that Jeff has read for us, we see the Lord's mission. And friends, I hope it can grip us that regardless of how limited we think we may be, we are on mission with him. Isn't that something? To share his love, to make him known. Now, notice the plan of the king's mission. You know, Jesus has a plan. Jesus never does anything without his divine plan. 
Notice the plan of his mission. Look at verses 1 through 3. Let's notice a few things here. It says, Soon afterward he went through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. Now notice something about Jesus' mission. I want you to notice a few things, friends. First of all, notice it was a strategic mission. He intentionally wasn't just going out into the wilderness. He was going to towns and villages. Why? Eureka, that's where the people are. <laughs> and he went on a plan to where the people were. It was a strategic mission. Now notice secondly about this mission. It was a strategic preaching mission. How did Jesus go out? He went into towns proclaiming. Proclaiming. That word proclaiming is the word for preaching. Jesus was a preacher. Don't get the idea that Jesus was just sort of whispering all the time. And he never raised his voice. That's not what this word means. He was proclaiming. And he was proclaiming with great excitement because he was sharing what? Good news. The good news of the kingdom. What had every Jewish person been longing for for centuries? The kingdom. The promised kingdom to come to Israel. And now... The kingdom has come, and it's come because it's come in the King. The Messiah. He has appeared. But now notice His kingship. He's the King of hearts. That's what I shared with you last week. He's the King of hearts. And His kingdom is being established in the hearts of of people, and notice it says, many, many, verse 3, were going with him on this mission. Now, notice Jesus has sort of got a gospel kingdom trip here. This is like a missionary trip, and he's bringing along some of his kingdom citizens, people who've already entered the kingdom by believing in him. They're the citizens of his kingdom and they are the fruit of his ministry. So guess what Jesus does? I'm going where people have never seen me. They've never heard me. I'm going to tell them the good news. The kingdom has come and I'm going to show them the proof. In radically changed lives. Who did he bring along with him? Notice he brought the twelve. These are the apostles. The apostles means sent ones. They're going to be sent ones. But first of all, before they're the sent ones, they need to spend time with Jesus. That's a good idea. Before you go out, you need to spend time with Jesus. And learn from Jesus. So Jesus is training these twelve. He's training them in the mission of love. They're learning from the king how to spread the kingdom. And these kingdom citizens, notice this. And this is very noteworthy because Luke notes it. It is a citizenship. This team is men and women. This is very noteworthy. 
That these people that were going to be serving and expanding the kingdom, this was not going to be just a man-centered, man-dominated kingdom. Jesus came to be the king of men and women. And use men and women to share his good news. And so notice, he has a number of women that are traveling in this mission with him. And Luke shares the names of three of them. Three women. Let's note them just for a minute. Mary Magdalene. That means she's Mary of Magdala, a village on the Sea of Galilee. She is what I like to call the worst who became the first. She's the worst who became the first. Why is she the worst? Because she was possessed with seven demons. This woman was dominated by the power of the oppression and possession of seven demons. She was the worst, but she became the first to see the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that just like the Lord? He takes the worst and he makes them first. And he, she has a friend. If Mary Magdalene is a down and outer, she's got a friend on this team named Joanna. And Joanna is an up and outer. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're up or down, if you're out, you're out, right? Now, Joanna is an up and outer. Why do I mean by that? She is of a place of power. Her husband is Cusa. And who is Cusa? He is the CFO, the chief financial officer of everything that King Herod owns. He's, she is married to the CFO. Now, friends, you got to love this. What had Herod done? He had imprisoned and beheaded the one who was proclaiming Jesus. But he found out you can't imprison the message of Jesus Christ. It can't be held captive. You can cut John's head off, but I'm sure he was still preaching as his head started rolling toward the floor. But his message went on. And guess who heard the message and went to check out this Jesus? The wife of the CFO. And I love this. It says she became a financial contributor to Jesus' ministry. Where do you think some of that money came from? That's good. Okay, you don't have to amen, but that is good. I'm telling you. Now, Jesus, as the great leader, always wants his followers to remember the mission. So he decides that he is going to give a word picture of the mission of his kingdom for his disciples then and for you and me now. A word picture. And he gives the picture in a parable. It's the parable of the king's mission. It's found in verses 4 through 10. It's the parable of the sower sowing the seed. Now let's just look at it. We'll just make a couple of comments. Look at verse 4. And when a great crowd together and went out from town after 
town and came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went forth to sow a seed. Now, why does he start talking about seeds? Because he looks at this crowd, it's the harvest. The fields are what? White to harvest. There needs to be laborers who go out and share the message of God's love to bring in the harvest. So Jesus, his mind is spurred by this image of the field, the people moving with their turbans, remind him of a field and the need to plant the seed of God's love. And he says, he went out to sow. Verse 5, some of the seed fell on the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. You see, there were footpaths that went between people's fields at that time. They didn't have fences. They had footpaths. And the seed was just scattered. It was just scattered as the sower would go out, scattering the seed. And some of it would go over to the footpath and that hard soil. And then people would walk on it. They'd crush the seed of the Word of God and just become bird food. And some of the seeds, verse number 6, fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. If you've ever been to Israel, you're going to remember. If you get to go, you'll see it. It is the rockiest place you've ever seen. You'd think that that was the chief crop of the entire country. They're growing rocks over there. It's always funny. You go over there and people will start to want to take up a rock from some special place in the Bible. And they're not sure they're supposed to do it, so they're trying to sneak down and get one and put it in their pocket. And the tour guide will always see, and he'll say, please, take more. <laughs> we, we export these for free. No taxes, taxes, no duty feed. Take all the rocks you want. But because it's so rocky, the rocks keep the moisture from being held long enough so the seed can really germinate and put down roots. Verse 7. They've got a lot of thorns over there. And some of the seed fell into among the thorns. Verse 7. The thorns. These are the word thorns here is like prickly weeds. And they have a root system that just spreads out. I do think these did get transported to East Tennessee, okay? They just spread out. The root system of the weed spreads out and chokes off, chokes off the good seed so that it cannot really grow. But, verse 8, Jesus said, some, some of the seed fell into good soil. Soil that had been cultivated soil that was prepared and that seed grew and it yielded a hundredfold and that doesn't mean just exactly 100 times but multitudes of times over that one seed produced fruit now the disciples wanted to know, why is the master teaching us in these parables? I mean, 
He's got people everywhere. Why doesn't he just come out plainly and say what he's got to say? Why does he share these parables? Why is this his teaching technique? And there's two reasons he used parables that we're told. Out of his own mouth, he said, he spoke in parables, listen carefully, to reveal the truth and to conceal the truth. To reveal the truth and to conceal the truth. First of all, to reveal the truth. Verse 10, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom. Now the secrets of the kingdom has to do with the realities of the kingdom. Understanding the kingdom. The truth of who Christ is and what he's come to do. And friends, that must be spiritually discerned. Only the Spirit can reveal Jesus Christ to us. Only God can reveal Christ. You remember what Peter said when he confessed Christ? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what did Jesus say to him? You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but what? My Father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. You see, understanding the things of the kingdom is a gift. It's a gift of God's grace. Jesus says he speaks in parables. So that people, in a simple story, by the grace of God, can understand the deepest things of the Lord. But now listen carefully. He said, I also teach in parables, not to reveal, not just to reveal the truth, but conceal the truth. Look at verse 10. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom. But for others, they are in parables. So that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the key here is... Seeing and hearing. What in the world does Jesus mean? That he's teaching in parables so people seeing won't see and hearing won't hear. What does he mean? Here's the issue. This is willful rejection. This is intentional rejection. Here's the problem. People think they see they think they see all they need to see about spiritual things, so they can't see. And people think they don't need anybody to tell them how to know God or follow God. And because they don't need to hear, they can't hear. That's what Jesus is saying. He's sharing the message of the truth of God. But people who suppress the truth, listen carefully, they can't know the truth. And when people suppress hearing the truth, they won't be able to hear the truth. And friend, that needs to weigh heavily on us today. Because there's a spiritual principle. Light received, light received produces more light. Light rejected produces more darkness. 
you don't stay neutral. You head toward the light, you'll receive more light. But you say, I'd rather stay in the darkness. I've got all the light I need. I don't need to hear anything else. Then God will say, have it your way. And friend, that's exactly where we are in our culture. When you place truth for light, truth for darkness, darkness for light, you can't even understand light and darkness. That's in our culture. May God help it not to be in our souls. Amen? May we truly seek the light. Oh, we need the light. Now, my friend, listen. Here's the good news. Don't get discouraged. Because, listen, if you want to see God and you want to hear God, you can. If you want to see, see God and you want to hear God, you can. I want to tell you something. God is not silent. He is speaking. You can hear his voice and you can see his face. You say, where does that happen, Sam? Right here in this book. Right here in this book, you can hear the voice of God and you can see the face of God if you'll see him, seek him. Friend, this is God's Facebook. This is God's Facebook and you can send him a friend request. Say, I'd like to get to know you. This is God's Facebook. You can start reading his posts. This is God's Facebook. You can follow Him. This is God's Facebook. And you can read His Facebook pages. You can know God. You can see Him. You can hear Him in His Facebook. Now get your face in the book. And say, Lord, I want to hear you. And I want to see you. He's not hiding. If God was hiding, he wouldn't have sent his son to that cross to reveal his love to us. Infinitely more than you want to know God. Infinitely more than you want to see God. He wants you to know him. Jesus said, this is eternal life. Not to get to heaven when you die. That's not the ultimate eternal life. Eternal life is to know God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is eternal life. Jesus proved His desire and He started a process. Here's what I want you to see. Lastly, it's the process of the King's message. Here's what Jesus did. Now listen. He's telling us if he, we're his followers, we need to do the same thing. Share the message of his love. Share what? What is the seed? What's the seed? Your testimony? My testimony? That's not the essence of the seed. What the church says? No. What's the seed? Look at verse 11. Jesus said the seed is the what? Word of God. It's the Word of God. So what is sowing? What is sowing? 
It's releasing the Word of God. It's releasing the Word of God. That's what Jesus is doing. He's releasing the Word of God. And in this parable, He's telling us how God wants His Word shared. How does God want His Word shared? He wants it scattered everywhere. He wants it shared everywhere. He wants it shared in church, of course. He wants it shared in Bible studies, of course. But He wants it shared at your dining room table. He wants it shared in the stands of the ball games. He wants it shared on the assembly line. He wants it shared in the carpool. He wants it shared in the office. He wants us to share the Word of God, His love. He wants to share it in your neighborhood, on your cul-de-sac. He wants it scattered. That's what He wants. But friends, listen. You can't scatter the Word of God unless you release it. The grain in the barn never brings a harvest. And the grain in a bag never brings a harvest. Thank God you can come and you can hear the Word of God and the seed can be put into your heart. And you can take it with you. And you can go to Bible study and you can have your devotions. And you've got the seed in your bag. But friend, it's not going to produce fruit unless you scatter it. Just share it. Why does God want this seed scattered? Because it has, listen, life-giving power. The Word of God has life-giving power. You know, God created the physical world this way. That seeds have life-giving power. Genesis 1, 11 through 12. God said, let the earth sprout plants. Yielding seed and fruit. The earth brought forth vegetation. Plants yielding seed according to their own kind. Trees bearing fruit in which is their seed. And it was according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God put physical life in seeds. So that the seeds would reproduce the plants. He's done the same thing in spiritual life. He has put the life, the life that comes from His Spirit. He's put it in His Word. And His Word is like seed that produces life. This is what Peter said. You know, Peter heard what Jesus was saying. And he never forgot it. And here's what he said when he was just... Nearing his death. Here's what Peter said. 1 Peter 1.22 Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. All flesh is like grass. All of its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers. The flower fails. But the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. The life of the Lord abides in His word. 
You scatter the word because it has life-giving power. Why? Because the power is in the seed. What did Paul say as he talked about the gospel? Do you remember this? Paul said this, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. The gospel, the good news of Christ is the power of God for salvation. That's life to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and to the Gentiles, the Greeks. Now notice Paul said the gospel. What's the gospel? It's the good news. What is gospel? Gospel means good news. What good news? It's the same good news the angels shared with the shepherds that night. What did they say? Fear not. This angel said, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be to all people. What's the good news? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. That's the good news. There's a Savior. Jesus Christ is a Savior. It's the gospel. And notice, look at what Paul said. The gospel is the power of God. You know what that word power? It's dunamis. We get our word dynamite from that word power. But it doesn't mean explosive power. Listen closely. The gospel has inherent power. It has within it the power to bring salvation. Now, friend, let that comfort you for a moment. Why can you and I scatter the seed? Why can you and I, how are we possibly qualified to see people come to know Jesus Christ? Because the power is not first in us. The power is in the message. You say, well, I don't know all the verses. It doesn't say you have to know all the verses. Just know the good news. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. There's enough gospel in your witness of Jesus Christ to bring people to salvation. Amen. It's okay to have a plan by which you share your faith, but you don't have to have a plan. The power of salvation is not in your education. It's in the message. The message has the power. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. How would any of us think we could bring anybody to salvation? I would be without hope over these years that anyone would ever have been saved by hearing me because I can't do it. But I want to tell you, God's gospel of Christ bears fruit. It bears fruit. And it'll bear fruit if you share it. If you share it. It has inherent power. The power's not in the messenger. <laughs> it's in the message. And there's only one gospel, friends. It's for Jews and Gentiles. It's only one gospel. It's for everyone. It's for those who are the quote-unquote elite. And it's those who people consider to be the nobodies. But they're somebody with Jesus. This is the gospel. 
You know what? Many people ask the question, when's Jesus coming back? And can I humbly tell you, we know when Jesus is coming back. He told us when he's coming back. You say he did? Absolutely. This is what he said. Matthew 24, verse 14. He said, the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. You want Jesus to come back? Start sowing seeds. Start helping missionaries go to the four corners of the world so that all the nations of the world might rejoice. It is rejoice, good news for all peoples. And Jesus is coming back when this gospel goes to the ends of the earth. Friends, share the gospel and start right where you are telling people what Jesus means to you. Why do people not sow more seed? Why do we not sow more seed? I know why I don't sow more seed. One of the big reasons, I'm sure, is some for you. It's because we fear rejection. I'm going to tell somebody, and they're going to tell me all. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to tell people where I'm going, and they're going to tell me where to go. What do you do with that? You know, I've got kind of an odd way of thinking about it. Of course, that figures with you, doesn't it? What if you just expected a lot of people to reject you? So then what happens, you're not surprised. <laughs> Why do you expect a lot of people to reject you? Because Jesus said it's going to happen. He said there are going to be people who reject the gospel. This is what he said. Look at verse number 12. He said... The seed that is along the path. He said, it's those who have heard. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. So they may not believe. There's three enemies to the gospel. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And here Jesus deals with them in reverse order. There's the devil. The devil comes along. He hates the word of God. And he's going to do everything he can to snatch the word of God away, to remove the word, word of God. He wants to use evil influences to take away the word of God to a people. Suppress the word of God. He could be even doing it right now. Some of you may be saying, how much longer? How much longer? I know one that's saying it. I understand, but let me tell you, while you are diverted, while you are saying, I wonder how many things I got to do this week. How quickly can I get to the steakhouse before the Methodists get there? <laughs> Seeds being snatched away. The flesh. Verse 13, there are those, oh, that among the rocks, they hear the word, they receive it with joy. But they have no root. They believe for a while, quote unquote, believe. And in time of testing, they fall away. This is temporary faith. And temporary faith does not bring eternal salvation. These are temporary disciples. 
They want salvation free. Oh, wonderful. Free salvation. Easy salvation. No, don't, don't hear that. Free salvation is free for you, but it was purchased at the price of the blood of the Son of God. It wasn't easy for Jesus. And Jesus said, if you follow me, you're headed home. But it's not going to be an easy road at times. And there are people who don't want that. They want easy believism. They want to pray a prayer. And Jesus, thank you very much. I'll see you at the Golden Gates. I'll say a few little words in my youth and live like the devil my whole life and go meet Jesus. What a deception. You say, are you saying that it's works for salvation? No, I'm saying it's a salvation that works. It's not temporary. And the world, verse 14, takes it away. So what fell among the thorns, this seed... It was choked off. What choked it off? The cares and riches and pleasures of the world. Money, riches, a good time. Now, friends, listen carefully. Following Jesus, listen. You will, in this world, experience. There's many good things in this world to experience. This is our Father's world, right? But I want to tell you something. You can't live for the things of this world. You can't live for them and live for Him. You've got to live for your greatest treasure, and that treasure is Jesus Christ, right? Amen. But there will be some. You scatter, and guess what's going to happen? There'll be some who come to true faith. They'll be receiving the word of God. Verse 15. And as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word of God, Hold it fast with an honest and good heart. And they bear fruit with patience. This is true faith. This is people who by God's grace come to true faith, which is a sincere faith. They receive it sincerely into their hearts. It's a fruitful faith. It begins to produce fruit in their lives. And it's an enduring faith. They may get knocked down, but they don't get knocked out. They may fall, but they rise up again. It may be three steps forward, two steps back, but praise God, they're making progress. My friend, this works. What Jesus said then, said now, it works. Jesus continues to preach the good news. What is the good news? Mark 1.14 Jesus went proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, the time is fulfilled. This is the time. The kingdom of God is here. It's right here because I'm here. Repent. Not do penance. Repent. Turn from your sin. And believe the good news. That I am the king. Follow me. Friend, that's the same message. The time is now. For some of you, this is your time. The king is near. Now turn away from your self-life and turn to the Savior. And you'll know him.
and you'll know the power that changes even the most hate-filled life to a love-filled life. I don't have time to share this, but I started with a testimony of a hate-filled black man. And here's a testimony of a hate-filled Klansman. Thomas Terrence. A white supremacist who learned his hate-filled teaching from a Methodist minister who taught anti-Semitic and racist message. He became a follower. He began to know even the leader of the KKK, Sam Bowers. He was taught that black people are a subhuman race and the world is under the domination of a communist Jewish conspiracy. So he decided the best thing he could do was get his gun and take care of business. And so in trying to blow up the house of a Jewish man, he was informed on and the police met him in a hail of bullets and his girlfriend who was with him with the 29-6 dynamite was killed. He went to prison. He shot a police officer during that incident. He was shot seven or eight times himself. He was put in solitary confinement. Had nothing to do to keep from going insane than read. <laughs> and somehow he got a hold of the four Gospels and started to read about Jesus, the real Jesus, and the real Gospel. And in that jail cell, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He was transformed. He was released. After many years, he attended seminary, became a pastor in Washington, D.C., served as president of the C.S. Lewis Institute. Here's what he said. God is not a demanding taskmaster. Listen to this Klansman. God is not a demanding taskmaster. He is a loving and gracious Father who forgives and restores those who repent and return to Him. And He gives us a new chance to embrace His purpose and plans for our lives. He's the God of the second chance, the third chance, and many, many more. There's the testimony of a Klansman. Where sin abounds, grace superabounds. Let's bow our heads. We're not going to sing, but please listen. Don't let the word be snatched away. Would you bow your heads with me, please? And dear friend, in this moment, you have heard the word of God. Others could have preached it better, but no one has a better gospel to preach. I guarantee you that. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. As our heads are bowed, Dear friend, the Lord has met with you. The King has come near. He's spoken to you.
the time is at hand. You're not here by accident. You're not listening or watching by accident, but by appointment. Now turn. Turn from your self-control. Turn from your self-life. Turn to Jesus. And He will bring you into the kingdom. Turn from that anger. Turn from that bitterness. Turn from that frustration. Turn to Jesus. And now may we go and sow His seed. Lord, I pray over every person here this morning who is hearing your voice. May those that you are causing them to hear this good news. May they flee to you, Lord Jesus, and be saved. Because there is a fountain flowing. There is a fountain filled with blood that's drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stains. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, may we who know your love also just dedicate ourselves that since by faith we have seen the stream your flowing wounds provide. Let redeeming love be our theme and let it be our message until we die. And all the people of God said, Amen. 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 Would you stand with me, friends? And if we can pray with you, the people are a prayer team. Be glad to pray with you today. But it's been good to be in God's house. And God's been good to us to give us this privilege, whether we're here or whether we're going and coming together via live streaming. The Lord has done good things for us. And we need to be glad, right? And share the message of his love. God bless you as you go today.